The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, better to plan or just aim and fire? Well, the punchline, our survey was exactly 50-50 from the Ziggler audience. Some people want a plan to walk out and others just pull the trigger and figure it out along the way. And it's more of a personal style than a right or wrong. But the trigger point is either way assumes you are going after something. So I play a three minute clip from Zig Ziglar where he cites that people who set goals and make plans of action have better lives and success all around. And he gives some great stories. Well, from this, though, I asked the Ziglar audience this question for those who do set goals and strive for progress in your lives. Do you one create a plan of action to walk out? Or two, pull the trigger and figure it out as you go. The responses were not just cut and dry, however, and Tom Ziegler and I talked through the nuances and insight brought to us by everyone's testimony and comments. What you're about to hear should feel freeing and confirming to you in your style and convicting to take continuous action in your life. Hey, quick call out of thanks to everyone listening and sharing this show. As of this recording, The Ziggler Show has now been downloaded over 47 million times. Uh, there are few podcasts that can claim this. It's why we've been ranked as the number three career podcast of all time in iTunes for almost two months now. If you go to the business category in iTunes, boom, right there front and center, you'll see us. It's because you listen. It's because you want to succeed and make a difference in your world. And you're sharing this with others. And I, I just thank you. Okay, folks, I'm going to start us off with a three minute clip from Zig Ziglar. Then Tom Ziglar and I will read through your comments right after I share some great products and services with you. David Jensen of UCLA, as a matter of fact, he's the chief administrative officer for the Crump Institute, the UCLA School of Medicine, did a study on the people who come to this seminar and who set goals programs and who develop that plan of action we're going to be talking about to follow through on the goals program. And in this study, here's what he learned. Those who set their goals and develop their plan of action earn an average of $7,401 a month. Those who get exactly the same information think it's nice, that's not for me, maybe later, but not now, earn an average of $3,397 a month. It pays to set goals. But you know what's even more exciting in that study he did? Number one was the fact that their family life improved. Number two, their health also improved. Number three, their balance in life itself was infinitely better. That's what a goals program is all about. You got to have them. Can you imagine Sir Edmund Hillary, the first man to scale Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the whole world? Can you imagine him climbing down off that mountain and some reporter comes to him and says, tell me, Sir Edmund, how'd you climb? I'm the tallest man in the whole world. How'd you do it? Do you think for one moment he said, well, i just out there walking around. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? And yet aren't there an amazing number of people who will spend more time planning the wedding than they will the marriage? Who will spend more time planning a two-week vacation than they will their very life itself? Let me also say something. Sir Edmund Hillary did not scale Mount Everest the first time he tried. As a matter of fact, he left several of his climbers dead on the mountainside. 
But the effort was so enormous, the British Parliament called him before them to give him England's highest award. And as he walked into that august body, as an individual, they rose and gave him a prolonged standing ovation. There was a huge picture up front of the peak of Mount Everest. He ignored the crowd. He walked straight to the front of that picture, and he literally shook his fist at it and said, You won! This time. But you're as big as you're ever going to get. I'm still growing. So you didn't reach your goals the first time you set them. So what? Failure is an event. It is not a person. Yesterday ended last night. Today's a brand new day. The obstacles might still be there, but when you continue to grow, your chances of scaling that uh, obstacle and reaching your goal are rather dramatically improved. Can you imagine the chairman of the board for General Motors? Somebody says to him, how'd you get to be the chairman of the board? He said, well, I just showed up for work. (laughs) They started promoting me, and here I am. There is no way that happens, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to have a plan. And the plans that we develop enable us to do far more of the things we really want to do. If you don't have time to set the goals now, you probably never have and you never will. All right, Tom, with this question, uh, I want to start out because I ask, you know, again, do you, when you set goals, when you solve problems, do you create a plan of action to walk it out or do you pull the trigger and figure it out as you go? So uh, make a plan or figure it out as you go. That is our focus today. Before we jump in to the comments, uh, which I'll let the cat out of the bag here, it was exactly half and half. I did not expect that. Wow. Yeah, exactly half and I mean, literally. So we take every single comment that we got and it was exactly half and half though. We had a few people say, uh, you know, it's a little, it's, it's both. I put them in the both category, but for those who chose plan or figure it out exactly half and half. So we're going to talk about that uh, there. But now one person did Timothy. He said, I have always struggled with setting goals. I have gotten better the last few years, but I still overanalyze everything. I have never, uh, I've never done an action plan, but to what he said, I've always struggled with setting goals. This is presupposing that you do set goals, that you do strive towards a desire, that you do have problems you commit to going to fix. And then once you do, do you make a plan? And I'll I'll even put this out there uh, because we're not going to should on anyone, but should you, you know, you may think that you should make a plan or you may think somebody told you you should figure it out as you go. So we have comments that say half and half, but Tom, before we uh, jump in to that, I do want to, anytime we talk about goals now, I can't do it. I don't want to do it without you bringing forth what you did in a show. It's been a while ago now, but we've talked about it since then about how some people, the majority actually don't respond as well to that term goals. They respond more to, well, you give us that quick, uh, give us the outline real quick. Yeah, so generally speaking, and I learned this from a good friend of mine. His name is Bob Tede, and and uh, he was he, we were talking a couple of years ago, and he said, you know, Tom, uh, about only twenty percent of the general population is really goal setting oriented. About eighty percent of the population, people in general, are problem solvers. 
And so just think to yourself, you know, do I prefer the the way I like my day? Do I get up in the morning and and write my to-do list of problems? And then do I get excited about solving all those problems? Is that how I operate? Or do I get up in the morning and think, oh my goodness, today's the day I get to work on my goal. You know, I have this dream, this goal, this aspiration that I wrote down in detail, and I'm going to work towards that. And so here's what's interesting. Uh, which one are you? Are Do you prefer solving problems or do you prefer writing it out on paper and, and setting the goal and putting the plan and going through it? Now, here's the good news. At Ziegler, we have the seven-step goal-setting system. Now, you can change the word in there. In fact, you can take out the word goal-setting and put in the word problem solving yep. and it's the exact same steps. Yep. And so here's the good news for everybody out there who has ever felt guilty about not getting real excited about setting goals and you'd rather solve problems. It's the same thing. It's just how you phrase it. And so, for example, step one in the goal setting system is to identify the goal. Yeah. So step one in the problem solving system would be identify the problem. Right. Step two is what are the benefits of achieving this goal? Step two as a problem solver would be what are the benefits of solving this problem? You go all through the seven steps. And so first off, everybody who's listening, either one is right. Okay. The key is, is in order to be effective day in and day out, we need a system or a process that's reliable that we actually use. And when we do that, it gets us closer to every single day, what it is we want to accomplish or whatever the problem is we want to solve. And we get there more effectively and efficiently in the process. You know, Tom, as I was thinking about this and reading through some of the comments, I just thought about the age old analogy of going on a road trip. I have never personally, I'm sure somebody cool out there has done this where they've just gotten in their car and just taken whatever road and gone that direction and just figured out uh, or didn't figure out where they're going. They just took off. I've never done that. I always have a def- destination, but I am not admittedly somebody who plans everything out. Sometimes I'll go out with the family or especially if it's just my kids and I don't plan. We drive as far as we want. At some point we decide, ah, we've had enough and we'll get a hotel and we kind of make it up as we go. So that's the not specifically planning, micromanaging the process and kind of having fun along the way, figure it out. But it still, again, presupposes that we know the destination we're going. And that's my favorite you know, perspective I grew up with Zig Ziglar on is if I don't have a destination, I'm never really going to get anywhere or I'm going to end up somewhere that I didn't plan. So, you know, we're back to the value and yeah, whether it's a goal or a problem. And as I thought about it, I think I do both equally. There are definitely some things that I set out as a desire and a goal and I'm going to get there. And then there's just as many that it's just a problem I want to solve. I, I'm, I'm thinking who cares as long as you're progressing towards something, right? <laughs> Uh, and yeah. I, I did say I'm watching the the uh, and, and you know this is the podcast recording, but folks listen to the podcast. We are now airing these live streaming them on the Ziegler Facebook page, and right now we're doing that. There's usually 300 to a thousand people viewing live, and then most of these or, or when we do these, they're recorded, and they're generally getting about 50 to 60 thousand views. So you're welcome to join us here. So I'm looking at these coming in, and just on an off topic, John Anderson, he just happened to put in there 
Hey, there's a lot of Ziggler on YouTube. There is, man. You want to see some of the best of Zig Ziggler on stage? Uh, you can go to YouTube and find him all over the place, places where he's not licensed to be and places where he is, uh, but you'll find him everywhere there. And, uh, yeah, so please, uh, please do that. A lot of our early episodes of the Ziggler show, uh, actually the ones before I came on Tom. Uh, so that first 200 or so podcasts, you know, we're in the 800s now, the first 200 are mainly just clips of Zig and it may be 10, 20 minutes, uh, classic, classic stuff. You can get there absolutely free. Um, all right. Well, Tom, you ready to dive into these? And I, I thought I'd start off with the people. Actually, there's a couple that said both. Let's hit that. Is that fair? Yep. All right. Timothy, he says, I've always, or no, actually, let me, uh, I, I did his Thomas. I've done both. I've learned that writing things down and making a plan of action, uh, works much better, but I have done both. Dennis says no single answer. It depends upon the con this is interesting. The consequences of failure and the criticality of success. Uh, though there is a dichotomy as analysis, analysis paralysis can shut down any undertaking. We're going to talk about that. But I thought that was interesting, you know, to say sometimes it's both. I think that's a fair answer. Sometimes you're going to plan it out. Yeah, if it is dire, I built my own house. We had a plan. Uh, you're actually required to. They're not going to give you a certificate of occupancy. Uh, you can't, can't do it. Cause we had to have a plan. And that was, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that was a big. So granted, that makes sense. There's been. So I talked about a road trip where I don't. Well, you know, there's not a big failure there. I hadn't thought about it in that term, but maybe that has some validity. The bigger the consequences or the bigger the investment, the more that's on the line, it probably does. I mean, if you're going after a big business and taking investor money, you better have a plan. I agree 100%. And I've noticed that so many people say, I do both, right? Some of them I plan out in detail, my yeah. goals. Some of them I just go along with. Uh, Right now, I'm, you know, I love Audible and I'm probably always in a book and I'm, I'm going through Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. Yeah. And what she really did a lot of research on is that there are basically two mindsets out there. There's the fixed mindset and then there's the growth mindset. And you really need to get the book. If you haven't read the book and you want to grow and learn and, and really understand what it is that makes you run, this is this this book spot on. Hey, Tom, um, I, I tried. I've tried to get her on the show. Uh, if anybody out there knows Carol Dweck, uh, let me know, because I literally she's one of these. Every once in a while, I'll find an author that you just can't get a hold of. I, I just found another one that I want and they literally have no contact information, nothing. So I have to you know, try to find the publisher and agent, somebody who knows them. Carol, I have not gotten through yet. So anybody knows her, let me know. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, if you know her, let her know the Ziegler show wants her. Yes. Uh, and. So I'm reading the book and, and, and this is just a quick, over, <clears throat> a quick overview, but basically if you have a fixed mindset, then that means that pretty much your IQ, your character qualities, you are just born that way. There's not much you can do to change it. And so what happens in a fixed mindset, if you're naturally good at something, you will do it. And you'll keep doing it until an obstacle comes. And maybe, mm. you know, maybe you're good in math until you get to calculus. And so fixed mindset people, they tend to love math. And then they start struggling in calculus and they make the assumption, well, I'm just, 
I don't have the IQ for it. I don't have the talent for it. I don't, I don't have the natural inclination for it. So they leave and they go and look for something else because after all, if we're fixed and we can't change, then this is just validation that I don't have what it takes. Okay. Now on the other side of this mindset coin are the people who are growth mindset oriented. And so what they do is they don't, they don't look at the grade. They don't look at how easy or hard it is when they first start doing something. They just ask themselves, am I learning? Am I getting better? Is this going to help me down the road? I mean, why wouldn't I try something no matter how awkward, how difficult, how I look? Think of dancing. There are some people who are natural dancers, but then they give up on it as soon as they rise up to a certain level because they don't want to be judged harshly, and now it's difficult for them. And then there are other people who they don't, they don't care what people think about them on the floor. They just go out and have fun. And then they start working on their skills and they keep doing it as they learn. So how does this relate to, do I work a goals plan in detail before I get started or do I just take it as how I go? And so what I want everybody listening to uh, this is ask this question. Is the reason that you don't set a goal because now it's holding you accountable to the plan. And perhaps you see that as a failure if you don't follow through and accomplish the plan, which could mean, doesn't necessarily does mean, but it could mean that you're operating from a fixed mindset. You see, the reality is that you could have a growth mindset And so you write out the plan in detail, knowing that you're not going to be perfect in it and it's going to change and you're going to have to, you know, work around it. But that's okay because every day you're learning and growing and getting closer to that. And so I think that's a which one's better. I, I think, you know, to plan it out or to take it as it goes, I think the person who said, hey, if it's critical for my success or catastrophic as a failure. Yeah, absolutely. You need to plan, right? You need to work that through, but your mindset as you approach it, I think when we get on the growth side of it, it gives us a lot more of an opportunity to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you're talking about that, it made me think too, there have been some times, no, I should say there often are sometimes I'm a blank page guy. I like really new concepts and ideas. And sometimes they're so unknown it's really difficult to plan specifically. We might put some benchmarks out there that we're, we think, but I even had a businessman one time as an investor and he said, dude, this is so conceptual. There's no way I even believe any plan you write out because you're going to figure this out as you go. He believed in the, you know, the, the ultimate initiative, but he thought you, you can't make a, a plan here. Sometimes if you're really going on, out on a limb, it is difficult to micromanage that, but to still say, Hey, I'm going to go here and here and assess. Um, we can make some primary benchmarks for sure. And I am, I do want to say to the folks that are on Facebook, uh, if we miss your comment or question, I will go back through afterwards and try to address that. And I see Dennis Durrell, who I think submitted a question or a comment to our uh, show here. He said he added Carol Dweck to his library. Uh, highly recommend. Yeah, she is, she is significant. And at some point we'll get her on here if, uh, if at all possible. Well, Tom, let me some to what you said, 
let me at least dive in here. Here's here's some folks. I'm going to read a handful, and you just uh, you just jump in as you feel led to on this. These are the people who I'm going to say voted for making it. They make a plan. Uh, Marvin Pennick, he says a little bit of both, but my natural bent is a plan. Jonathan Payton says, you know, there are some great psychology articles out there on implementation intentions. James Clear, he said, who, who you've talked about, Kevin, uh, he's the uh, atomic habits guy, uh, has written about it. And another good article by Peter Galwitzer, both talk about the effectiveness of having an if then step or just another simple step or a plan on top of a goal. And and it kind of, to me, comes back, Tom, to what you said, that I think the plan, having something there is a good fallback or necessary when you hit that insurmountable obstacle, which I think we talked about in the last show, which would have been, what, 802 episode, about, uh, about, about just that aspect of you are going to, in any worthy initiative, hit a seemingly insurmountable goal. And if we expect that and have a plan for that, that's powerful. Because if we had a dime for everybody who said, man, I had something, I was going for it, I was excited, I was motivated, and I lost momentum. Or man, then I just hit something that, you know, I must have been, it must not have been God's plan, right? Because I hit an obstacle, which of course is contrary to every story in the Bible, because even the ones, you know, called out, yanked out by God hit obstacles. If we plan for that, if we have a plan for that, I think that's where it's powerful, just to what you said, so that we can overcome the obstacle that we are going to hit. You are listening to The Ziggler Show in this episode on having a goal or objective you're going after and whether you want and need to plan or you fare better when you just pull the trigger and figure it out as you go. Well, next, Tom shares three keys for successful goal setting from the classic Ziggler goal setting system. So we'll dive right back in after I share some great products and services with you. Yep, so here's a, here's a uh, for everybody uh, who wants to get your pen out. If you're driving down the road, don't get your pen out, but... <laughs> speak it into your notes or something. That's right. Uh, you can pull out your phone and write, type this into notes, but here is, here are the three secrets to goal achievers. Okay. They write it down in detail, the goal, right? They, they have the plan. Number two is they work on it every day. And number three is they have an accountability partner. Now, why do I like having a goal written out? One of the things we teach in the goal setting system at Ziegler is that you review it every single day. You write your goal out, you review it. And that review of all your goals, and we tell you to work on four goals at a time, it takes between six and 10 minutes a day. And so here is the idea of when you have something written down and you make it front of mind, your mind's an amazing tool and it starts figuring out how to accomplish it Mm -hmm. even when you're not, you know, intentionally working on it, right? Even though it might be a week before you put some energy into it, if you're reviewing it on a regular basis, then you're more likely to have the answers when you get to the time when you are gonna work about it, right? Because your your brain's always figuring these things out. And so what does that mean? It, It just simply means this. We give ourselves, I believe, a tactical advantage when we write it down because we are tapping into the operating system of our mind, which God created. Now, for those of you who are like, you know what, unless it's really, really serious, 
I just go with the flow. Let me give you a little bit of validation, okay? Nassim Tlaib, who wrote uh, The Black Swan and he wrote uh, uh, Anti-Fragile, two great books. He he talks about uncertainty and, and he, in the book, The Black Swan, he, he goes into detail about these, a black swan event is an unexpected event that changes everything. So just, you know, the pandemic is a black swan. Yeah. Okay. So what he's done as a consultant is when he works with fortune 500 companies who have the, what I call the elite Ivy league, Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Yale, uh, executives who do all the corporate planning, this is what he's discovered. He has discovered that they are the ones who have the hardest time adjusting to a black swan because they don't see the new environment. Their, their blinders are on and they're trying to execute the plan that they spend so much time in. And so goal setting is kind of the same way. You might have a goal to buy a house in two years. And then you come home and your spouse, your, your wife gives you the great news. Hey, we're pregnant and we're gonna have twins, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so what's happened? Well, your priority has just changed. You're, you're, you know, the house may be put off a little bit, right? Because of the new addition to the family or the size house you wanted might've changed. Yeah. Okay, so now let me flip it over. I uh, want to give you a real world example of how it should be done. So this is Thomas Nelson publishing and Thomas Nelson, they published the book, see uh, my book, choose to win uh, dad's book over the top, a bunch of different uh, uh, books. And Sam Moore was the owner of that business for many years. And he's from, from Lebanon. He passed away a few years ago. But Bruce Barber, who's my agent, who worked for Sam, said, you know what Sam would do every year? He'd bring the executives in and he'd have us write a three-year business plan. And then once we got it done and we turned it in, then we never talked about it again. The only thing that we did is we talked about this year's plan. And you see what Sam Moore was done, what he learned on the business street was we need to have the long range goal in mind, but we need to focus on what we can control today. Yeah. Okay. And so for those of you who are kind of in the middle with the right mindset, yeah, you write down the goal in detail, but you understand that life and circumstances change. And so if it's a long range goal you've written down, you honor what you're working on now. And it's okay if the big objective changes a little bit based on what's going on in your life. Hey, it's so, such wisdom in what you uh, just said. I'm, I'm over here on Facebook seeing Jessica Moyer, who just went through ZLC, Ziggler Legacy Certification, joining us. Jessica, thanks. And Dennis Durrell. Again, post in here, he says Batterson comes to mind. He's talking about Mark Batterson. I didn't pull it up quick enough, but Mark Batterson we had on the show, uh, gosh, in the past, probably in the past 30, 40 episodes, uh, and he, who said, God isn't going to say, well planned, my good and faithful servant. And also Eisenhower, plans are worthless, but planning is invaluable. And I want to I hit to what you said, Tom. You said multiple times in, in, your, in what you just went through, uh, tapping into the mind that 
man, that one, when I have that goal out there, I mean, I can't take the next step without a few plans. I mean, I got to wake up the next day and do something. What's it going to be? And you got to have, again, a semblance of a plan. And stewing on that is one of the most beneficial things to my goals of anything. Is And I'll do it. I'll stay awake at night sometimes, not going to sleep, or, or, or sometimes wake up in the middle of the night or in the morning, and I, my mind is working on it. And so you may, you may appreciate this. So my kids, we don't have regular TV, but you know these days you can stream stuff. And somebody got us into the the show uh, Sherlock. I, I think it's an old. It's it's pretty old. It's with uh, Benedict Cucumber Patch guy, whatever his name is. Uh, and, and it's really cool. And he's he, he has this. You know, part of the show is his mind palace. He goes into his mind palace, but he just thinks. And it's always stood out to me. It's one of the stories of Bill Gates back in the day when he's building computers in his garage and his mom comes out and she's like, what are you doing? Is how it's depicted. He says, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, just sit. We don't do that. You know, it was Pascal who said that man's downfall is that we can't sit in a room for 15 minutes without doing something, just be there alone. And I'm thinking we're missing out on what you said is tapping into our minds. When we have that goal, when we're contemplating the next steps, when we're seeking wisdom, that we've got so much power up here. God works through this power up here as well. And to, to tap into it, to stew on it, to ponder it, but it is what are the next steps? What is the next best thing to do? And we miss that. We're looking for the one, two, three step for somebody to tell us what to do. And so much of the time, we've got so much within us. So thanks for bringing that uh, that up. And Dennis, thanks for your post. Uh, thanks for your post there. Um, uh, let me go through a couple here. Again, these are on the aspect of uh, people who do plan. Suzanne Bennett, she says, I start with a written plan and flex as we learn which efforts are most effective and efficient and productive. Life has been known to force an updated goal or plan as well. I've learned there is no shame in surviving through tragedy to rise again. Of course, my mom always said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plan is. So I flexed his leading as well. I wanted to pull that out, Tom. That has been a, a kind of a learning by the heart by hard knocks for me of authentically experiencing what I feel like was a vision was a calling something that God put a desire in my heart for and led me towards I have experienced that and and in retrospect uh, uh, confirmed it time and time and time again in my life okay so God's vision God's calling now the other side of that though is generally when that happens uh, generally I don't want to say generally let's say more so in my past I hope uh, then now is I take that vision and go, Oh, I got it. I got it. I'm good. I'm gone. And I go and I do it as to my own planning. And I often run aground. I have run aground in the past with that. And I find myself going, God, where are you now? Or come on, God, catch up. And that's not how he works. And seeing though, as I adjusted, as Suzanne talks about, as I adjusted and opened myself up from how I saw it playing out and opening myself up and I would see God do something different that was nothing like how I saw it playing out, the vision then happens. So go, again, to go back to say, I, I've, I've experienced so often God being true to the vision, being faithful to the vision that he gave me, that he put inside of me but it seldom happened as I saw it. So now it brings me to, I hope it's wisdom and maturity, the, a, a place of going, okay, I, I think I hear you, Lord, here it is. 
how do I go about it? Now we're back to, you know, Bob Bodine's two chairs. God knows what's going on. He's big enough to deal with it and listen to him. And my perspective has become one much more of knocking. I am going to actively wait on God. I'm not going to force things down. I'm not going to kick doors down, but I'm going to knock. I'm going to get up today. I'm going to knock and see where God wants to answer. I have found so much more fruit from that than me trying to presuppose, oh, there's the vision. Okay, here's how I see it happening. That's been significant. So back to her, you know, quote that we laugh at. If if you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plan is. Um, There's, I've, I've lived out the validity of that uh, to some painful, some painful instances, admittedly. You know, one of Kevin, one that reminds me of uh, one of the organizations we work with, a gentleman named Steve Anderson came through our ZLC and he is, he's got a group called work camper. Hmm. And so what work camper does is they help people who want to live the RV freedom lifestyle. And so people of of all walks of life, we've got millennials doing it now. You've got retired people doing it now. And it's people who really value uh, seeing, you know, seeing the country, living in different places, working out of their RV, kind of having that freedom type of lifestyle. And his partner, uh, we were we were talking and he's and he looked at me and he said, Tom, I look at my past and I think. This is what I always wanted to do, but none of the things that I did before this make any sense. But every single one of them, when you connect the dots, are the only reason I'm able to do this now. Yeah. Right. And so what is the lesson here? The lesson is that when you when you feel like, hey, this is my goal, this is something that I want to go and accomplish, man, write it down, go all in. And then as I love this, you know, I call it the God nudge. God tends to tap us once we take action, getting us on the right course. If maybe we weren't headed in exactly the right direction to begin with, but it's very hard to tap somebody into the right course if they're just stuck and not moving. And, and so his example was in his role, he, he taught and he educated, he wanted to equip people to be successful on their own. And everything that he'd done before perfectly prepared him for that. And so here's the danger. The danger, somebody else said this earlier, uh, if you never start, like dad said, if you don't take the first step, you'll never take the second step. And I think planning and goal setting makes those steps a little bit more likely to happen. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'll, I'll put a call out on what you said there, Tom, to setting deadlines or committing to things. That is a habitual part of anything that I believe I am supposed to go forward to. I will make a big commitment or set a big public deadline or something that holds me accountable. And from that, then I have to do whatever it takes. 
Uh, that's my own, you know, we all have our own medicines to deal with our own dysfunction. I don't believe we're all going to get rid of our dysfunctions, but we need to figure out how to manage them. I'm a procrastinator. I'm not a planner. I wait to the last minute. I know that about myself. So I manufacture things to make me come through. It reminds me of Dr. Ben Hardy, who we recently had on the show for the second time to talk about his book, Permanality, uh, Personality Isn't Permanent. His first book was Willpower Doesn't Work. And that's what he talks about in that book. That's another one, folks. If you don't know that book, I would put either of his books on your on your reading list. But willpower doesn't work is so strong because he ultimately talks about that, about how our willpower is limited, gritting our teeth, being you know all disciplined. It, there's a limit to that. And we generally are going to fail if that's all we are working on. And how better if we plan our circumstances, create circumstances that help guide us. And I'm going to paraphrase my own perspective to manage our own dysfunction. So I like the big deadlines. I like the big commitments uh, for sure. Here, let me read another one, Tom. Andrew, he says, I always put together an action plan so I can see the steps ahead of me. And so it doesn't seem so daunting. This works fantastic for health and lifestyle changes. I stick to the plan at first and adjust as I grow, learn and accomplish my intermediate goals early. When it comes to larger shifts, such as career and entrepreneurial goals, goals, I put together a solid plan, but that is often where I get held up. Pulling a trigger is difficult, likely due to the fact that my discomfort in my current position is not too significant. I dream big, but I fear the unknown. You know, let me put another one on there. John Skipworth, he says, I struggle with this. Pulling the trigger uh, it has never worked in my favor. I am a planner by nature, but I tend to overanalyze before I tend to never get started. Um, let's talk about those real quick, Tom, before we go into, because I can keep going on this. These are the people who by far and large voted on the planning side. And then I want to read some next on the figured out as you go side. Both of these guys talk about pulling the trigger and we did have people, maybe that's what's coming up in the next section on figuring out as you go, people who talked about uh, the struggles of, okay, here's a goal. Here's the planning that I, I want to, wa I want to walk out at, but then they get uh, analysis paralysis. They get in there and they don't just, pull the trigger, as you said a minute ago, just take that first step. They can feel caught in that. So on the good side, I guess maybe the good side, Tom, the balance of having the goal, setting the plan makes us accountable, but it can also be daunting to get past that and actually just pull the trigger and go. And I, I don't know if there's a, you know, that there's a tension. Maybe that's just as in everything, there's, there's a tension. There's no perfect answer in there. It, it's just, maybe that's what we need to plan for. That is where the difficulty lies or one of the places. Right. And so let me let me kind of give you kind of a growth mindset approach to that, a, a uh, locus of control yep. and, and how important that is. And, and I'll just refer to a study by I think Fredrickson was the psychologist who did this study. Uh, but they, they looked at senior citizens who uh, moved into, uh, you know, uh, senior citizen homes, a living environment. And so basically all their decisions were kind of made for them. You know, what time was dinner? What was on the menu? That was all done. And as they studied the, citizen, the, the people who lived there, they noticed that there was a smaller group of these kind of uh, cantankerous, hard to please <laughs> people in, the, in there. And, and what happened was, is they'd bring them the food and the food was always too cold or too hot or not seasoned right or, you know, overcooked or undercooked or, what or whatever. The menu that was and they would always send it back. Hmm. And as they got into it, 
they also noticed that in general, the people who were cantankerous like this were healthier and they lived longer. And so they were like, well, what does that mean, right? Because, you know, cantankerous and long life, those two things don't go. Well, what they discovered was, is that these people had maintained as much control as they could. And so when you feel like you have control over a situation, you're generally happier, even though it may appear to be cantankerous, you're generally more satisfied, more happy with your life because you realize you can affect your environment. And when you act and believe that way, you're more likely to have hope in the future, right? Mm -hmm. If you have no control, well, then it doesn't matter what they feed me anyway, because I'm here to die, right? This is my last stop. But if I do have control and I have power over my environment, then when I get sick, I'm going to take the medicine. Why? Because there's hope. I can, in people who don't feel like they have control, they're like, well, why bother? I mean, you know, whether I die now or in six mm -hmm. months or in five years, it doesn't matter. And so that's why their lifespans are less. So somebody I just saw put in a, a comment, you know, hey, I work somewhere and I don't have any control over my goals at work. I'm told what to do. What does that mean? So here is a growth mindset that will help people get started to pull the trigger and will help you if you feel like you're in an environment where you don't have a lot of control over the goals that are set for you. Our kids could have the same because the parents are setting the goal. Ask yourself this question. If this is the goal I want to achieve, who do I need to become mm -hmm. in order to achieve that goal? What character qualities do I need to develop? What skills do I need to learn? What knowledge do I need to acquire? What are the disciplines and habits that somebody in that position has that I need to develop in myself? Now ask yourself this question. If I go about developing myself to become that person so that I can be successful in attaining that goal, ask yourself this question. If I don't obtain the goal, was it worth it? Was elevating myself to the next level, was learning these new skills, was gaining this new knowledge, was becoming a more capable, qualified person, is my life better off because I did that? Well, the answer, if you're going after something that's worthwhile going after, is yes, you are better off. So why would you wait in becoming a more qualified, more capable, more rounded, better skilled, more knowledgeable person. Why would you ever wait to do that? And what this does is it changes your mindset from fixed, I have no control, I'm gonna die anyway, what's the difference in how the food's cooked, into a growth mindset that says, hey, I do have control, I may not can change you know, the, the leadership in my organization, but I can change who I am. Mm -hmm. I can change my knowledge, my skills, my discipline, my character, my integrity. And you know what? They may never recognize me here, but somebody else will. And in fact, as if I continue to grow, then that gives me more opportunities. Is it ever bad to have better opportunities? I don't think so. So there you go. There's a kind of the, how the growth mindset will help you start taking action now. 
I appreciate what you just said. And my paraphrase is you will be found out for better or worse. You will always be found, found, found out. And I think we all know that the people we work with, the people we're around, we know who they are good and bad. We know if we can trust them or not. We know what their character's like. It'll come out with you too. So if you feel like you're doing as Tom said, and you are uh, better, bettering yourselves, you are doing the right thing. It will be found out and, and please have, please have faith uh, in that. Um, a couple people who I'm watching posted on, on Facebook here as we're talking live, uh, Marnie Rivera asked what those books are again. And uh, yeah, these are ones I'm happy to promote. I'm going to hold it up for those of you guys watching. Willpower Does Not Work. Benjamin Hardy, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Uh, I got, I think he sent me 10 of those. I passed them out to my family. We talk about it continually. It's such an incredible personal development concept. And then the other one that he just wrote that we just recently did a show on is this one. Personality is not permanent. And man, what you talked about right there, uh, Tom, and just, uh, we can't change everything out there, but we can change ourselves. This book will give you freedom to realize you are also not stuck in your personality. It is not static. You are not, I am what I am. And, uh, it's a cop out a lot of times. And he really goes to task against some of the perspectives we have on personality. Um, but Jessica, I don't know if you saw this post, Jessica Moyer, who is now one of the Ziegler family. And she has a, she's a, I don't know if this is a fair, she has a lot of things now. She has a, a fitness uh, a play, an actual brick and mortar um, fitness place up in, I think it's Delaware. And now she is of course doing personal coaching. She says, as I work with clients, the struggle of setting goals with so many unknowns is quite challenging. What is your advice? So she's working with people, you know, maybe women who are pursuing different fitness goals. And now, of course, I think she's doing, I assume, some life coaching and dealing with, yeah, as a coach consultant, Tom, I mean, this is your playground. I mean, you have the Choose to Win coaching program right now uh, that we've been talking about so much, which folks, you can find it at ZieglerShow.com slash CTW, as in Choose to Win. Uh, and you can connect with Tom there on, on, on that. But for those who are coaching and consulting, yeah, you're dealing with so many different integers there. This is a human being and none of them are the same. You can't have any cookie cutter advice for everybody. Uh, it's going to be different for every single person. So if you're the coach or consultant helping them set goals with so many unknowns, it is quite challenging. So challenging that I'll give the question to you. How's that? Yeah. So there's a, there's a gentleman, uh, his name is Story Weathers, and he, he was an astronaut. And he had, uh, I think it was seven PhDs, you can look it up. He went out and he uh, was the guy that did the spacewalk to repair the Hubble telescope. Ah. So remember the Hubble, it goes up, it's a billion dollar project, probably more than that. And when he get up, they couldn't focus they couldn't focus the telescope. They had this amazing uh, piece of equipment that could see, you know, millions of light years away, but they couldn't focus it. And they'd left out a part that was like a $2 O-ring. Okay. That's wow. <laughs> that's what they forgot. So his job was to go into space, go out on the spacewalk and fix it. That was his job. Now, the problem was, is they could only give him on his belt, like seven tools and, and, you know, 10 or 12 options as to how to fix it. 
And so they were trying to figure out who do we go? I mean, do we send an electrician up there? Do we send a mechanic? Do we send a, you know, a, a, a rocket scientist? Do we send a telescope expert? Who do we send? And so as he was telling the story of how he got picked, when they interviewed him and they saw all of his PhDs and he was already a pilot and an astronaut and he had all this credibility, uh, they asked him about him growing up and they said, tell us about your childhood. And he said, well, I grew up on a farm. And he said, well, what did you do on the farm? And he told him. And so basically the reason he got the job was growing up on a farm, he learned how to fix broken equipment with bailing wire and duct tape. MacGyver. MacGyver. He was MacGyver. Okay. So here's the thing. When somebody says, wow, we're in such an uncertain environment, what do we do? The first thing I think about is, if I ever get stranded on a desert island, I want a boat full of problem solvers with me. I don't need category experts. I need problem solvers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when we get the growth mindset, problem solving mindset, now we have a strategic advantage because guess what? <laughs> the environment we're in now, it ain't fair. And everybody's in it. And so a lot of people are paralyzed sitting at home. Well, I'm just waiting until things clear. Whereas problem solvers are trying to figure out right now, who do I need to become and what problems can I go and solve? So my first mindset is this, hey, because it is an uncertain environment, this is the best time in the world to set some goals. There is no better time than right now. Number two is this, you go as far as you can see and then when you get there, you'll be able to see further. That was a, that's a Zig Ziglar quote on goal setting. Hey, you know what? We set the best goal we can right now. We take action on it and we review it every day. And in three weeks, we'll be able to see further and we might change our goal, right? We, in cycling, we might change our specialty to from mountain, from mountain climbing to distance or whatever yeah. the thing is based on our physical attributes based on what we enjoy more based on our, you know, our, our capacity, but we got to start to know where we're going to go. We've got to start to know great segue into, I want to throw some of these at you, Tom, some of the comments now on the folks who said they're not as much into planning. They are more so into figuring it out as they go. So I'm going to read a few here and uh, and end with one that has uh, that's of interest to me. Jeff Bayless here says the journey of a thousand miles begins with the as you just said, Tom, the first step. Sometimes taking the leap of faith and improving as you go is the best effort. Just start. Start from where you are with what you have now. Uh, welcome feedback and improve as you go. Kent Sanders says, I used to be much more of a planner, but now I just try to take action and learn as I go. It's easy to get paralyzed by too much detail and no action. Mason Vasek, and this is where I wanted us to, to comment on. He says, for me, setting goals creates expectation and unnecessary pressure. Every day is a new adventure. And with so many variables changing constantly, I just go with the flow. If I have the desire to accomplish something, it'll eventually happen. With this approach, I never let myself down. All right. I ended on that last one because I think that one is dangerous. Uh, Tom, you mentioned a minute ago going with the flow and it will eventually happen. 
Uh, and with this approach, I never let myself down. That is the struggle that we have when we set the goal out, when we put the plans out, if we make ourselves accountable to ourselves or to somebody else, especially, there is absolutely the chance to let ourselves down. That is somewhat what accountability is at. And to what I testified to before, I do a lot of that commitment because then I'm forced to act because I don't want to let myself down or I don't want to let somebody else down. That is a very real pressure um, that I wanted us just to bring up and say, yeah, that, that is a part of it. And you may sure that the, what's the number one way to not let yourself or anybody else down is, is well, don't commit to anything. That's not a great recipe as well. It's kind of like we often talk about, if you're going to put yourself on a pedestal, like we are right here on the show and talk about something like this, you're going to get shot at. You're going to get criticism. The best way not to, well, don't stand up and say anything. Don't stand for anything. So there is that. I want to elevate that, that yeah, we are talking about setting goals, making plans, having accountability so that we act because we as humans generally need some pressure to act. And that is one of them is letting ourselves or someone down. That is very real and true. I sure don't want to shy away from Yeah, so let me give you a Zig Ziglar secret. Um, Here it is. When when he would come off the stage and, you know, he got standing ovations and the audience thought it was amazing, the dad never judged his presentation by the response of the audience. Okay? He judged it basically on two things did I prepare as much as I could have? Hmm. And there's a little asterisk in there because he judged himself based on how much time he actually had to prepare. Okay. So he didn't fault himself if the circumstances didn't allow him to prepare as much as he would have liked to, Mm -hmm. but he held himself accountable to preparing as much as he knew he should, if he had the time. Okay. So when he walked off the stage, he would say, did I prepare enough? And number two, did I speak God's truth in love? And that was it. And so here's the problem. One of the reasons that people don't write out a plan is because it does hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Right. It is that. It is the measuring stick. But here's what I want people to understand. When it comes to goal setting, it comes to achieving something. Don't judge your success on the applause of the audience. That's that's wrong. That's results-oriented, results-focused weight that we don't need to carry. But what we can hold ourselves accountable to is, did I do everything I could to achieve this, and then that I do it in the right way that honors that honors God. That's and that's a higher standard, and it's also realistic. And so last week, gosh, why can't I think of the name of the book? Um, too many books, Kevin. But in this one, it talked about having a victory mindset. But then I heard the phrase for the first time; I hadn't heard it before: an almost victorious mindset. Okay. Okay. Now, this is kind of cool, and this kind of goes into the growth mode. And so what they're saying is imagine you're a salesperson, you do all the right preparation, you go and you give a fantastic uh, you know, demonstration uh, presentation to the board, 
and you've got a competitive product, the quality's there, the pricing's in line, everything's there, but you don't get it. You don't get it. Were you a failure in that? Absolutely not. So the question you ask yourself is, wow, I didn't get it. But you know what? I almost did. I was almost victorious. And the reason that I know I was is because I had the right mindset when I went in. I had all the right preparation and we had a great solution. They just chose someone else. Okay, so you see that? We're, we're basing our, uh, it's, it's, not a, it's a learning experience. And so when you elevate that to growth mindset, what would you then do? Well, what you would say is, okay, I did everything I knew to do. So that's, I'm giving myself an A. I didn't get the business. That was out of my control. I controlled everything I could, but I couldn't control that, yeah. which is okay. And so the growth person would then say, you know what? I'm calling them back and I'm saying, hey, can you, you know, if you're able, can you tell me what it is that pushed the other uh company the other offer over the edge why'd you pick them sometimes they'll tell you sometimes they won't sometimes it comes down to as simple as well you know the vice president of sales that's their that's their uh son-in-law who came in <laughs> you know so so what are you a failure at that point no because they made a decision that had nothing to do with what you just did and so we don't need to hold ourselves accountable or feel like it's a defeat when we do everything right and we do it in the right way, we do the preparation and it doesn't work out because we can look back and say, am I better, more qualified and more capable for the next opportunity? And if the answer is yes, then guess what? You've learned, you grew and you know a few more questions to ask the next time. I love that, Tom, where, yeah, again, the success I tend to, because I well, probably because I'm uh, one of human, uh, humankind, I tend to look at success is the end result. And I have had to, well, hopefully I've been, I've been uh, grateful to uh, realize that, man, that is, the end result is not always the goal. It's just what you said, what I learned and grew along the way towards that is sometimes better. Cause yeah, man, gosh, you're talking about, you know, sales and Ziegler sales 101 is what is the absolute goal? Is it to make a sale? No, it's to take care of the person. And that may not be to sell them your product or service that uh, goes against the grain of the integrity that we're all shooting for. But yeah, what we learn and grow along the way, it's not always about the end result. It's the pithy saying, right? It's not the destination. It's the journey, but it's just true. Most of the best pithy sayings are, the, are, are so because they're true. Hey, here's one, Tony Cooper. She says, I used to just pull the trigger and go, then develop a plan once I started. There would ultimately be a plan of action in the end. Now I actually set goals, create a plan and go for it. While setting the goals helps me be more of a success, sometimes it can also be a hindrance for me. As crazy as it sounds, planning sometimes brings doubt to my mind and I'm less likely to pull the trigger even when the plan is good, mainly out of fear of not succeeding. I've had to really work on that the past few years. Well, as much as I just held up Ben Hardy's book about personality isn't permanent, I agree with his book and the premise in his book. However, it does give us propensities. I mean, we all do have some, well, we can't always say, is it a natural propensity, natural born? It was ingrained in us when we, when we were born or did we learn it via environment? I don't know. You're going to have to call that for yourself. I don't know that it matters. 
today. I, Kevin Miller, I have certain propensities. And when she's talking about planning that sometimes it can feel like a hindrance or feel confining, I am going to submit that there are some personality aspects in that. I know some people like my accountant and my uh, CPA, my bookkeepers, thank God they love the details. They love the plan. They walk it out and they save me boatloads of money. I love them. Um, that's why I'm not an accountant. I plan, you know, really tight plans feel, feel confining to me. They find these plans as freeing. I, and I know some people in other aspects of man, the plan and walking it out is so freeing. And to me, it generally tends to feel confining. So I'm not even going to put that off on personality type. I'm just going to say propensities, Tom. And I, I, I want to hold that out that that's, that's relevant in this discussion. And I love again, that as we look at this, for those of you who set goals, you go forward and strive for something do you make a plan and walk it out do you figure it out as you go and that the literal truth it's on facebook you can go see it on my page is we got exactly 50 50 uh from our audience because it's we're not talking right or wrong black or white to some degree we we are talking about what works for you what works for you to set a goal, commit to it, and go out and get it? And if, if 10 of you go and you did it through the plan, great. If 10 of you did because you committed to it and you figured it out more along the way, as long as you're reaching that goal. So I, I hope people find some freedom in that. Now, if you find that the lack of making the plan does derail you, it causes confusions, well, then you need to, to do that. If you find that making a plan is making you feel confining, you need to address this. This is a fluid topic, I guess, is my point. Is that fair, Tom? Very fair. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Jennifer here, she says, number two, if I don't move and figure it out as I go, I never start in the first place. Victoria says, I would love to be a plotter and an organizer, but alas, when God says go off, I go flying by the seat of my pants. Uh, most of the time, however, at work, I have been taking some time management, project management classes, and now I'm about half and half. Hey, as long as I get the job done, right? I think to what I said before, I'm agreeing with, uh, with Victoria and, and Tom, we've got a lot here. Uh, you know, I do want to kind of summarize here and we've got a lot of people who are out here making things happen that are talking about, and we could come away with this, with what are the, you know, primary highlights you've outlined them so well of there's benefit in having the plan. There's benefit in not being confined by a plan. Ultimately though, we're trying to figure out how to manage. I'm going to use that word a lot because I, I, I like it. Our propensities to get us to set a goal. Maybe we should come back to that. That is what we are talking. This is again, presupposing that we set a goal, we commit to a goal and we're saying there's not a black and white, perfect, perfect cookie cutter plan on how to walk it out. The biggest danger that we're speaking to is not setting goals. And we're back to the destination, which I think Zig Ziglar is probably the king of the paradigm on without the destination, we're not going to get anywhere or we're going to get to the wrong place. Yes. Yes. So here's a couple of questions we can all ask ourselves. Um, you know, dad said this, he said that success is the maximization of the abilities that God gave you. Okay. So I love that because every single one of us is unique and different. We all have our own personality. We have our own traits. We have our own gifts and talents. And so success is maximizing what God gave us. Okay. So then here's the, the question is this personally, this is what I ask myself. Do I want to become 
the person that God created me to be? Now, that's a big question, okay? <laughs> because, you know, I, I've got to get an alignment. Well, who does God want me to become? And it's kind of cool because he created me, so he knows my traits, my gifts, my talents. Yeah. He knows where I'm a detailed accountant type or if I'm an artsy, you know, let's just, <clears throat> let's, you know, <laughs> party, you know, let's just go this way, okay? So that means that God has, has created me in such a way and he knows that I'm going to fulfill my life's purpose in the way he created me. So, so then we go back to the first quote, success is the maximiza maximization of the abilities that God gave me. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that whether I am an, uh, an, an accountant, a very detailed-oriented person, there's probably some techniques, some things that I could use in my life that don't seem natural that'll help me maximize what God's given me. And if I'm the artist, you know, let's, let's just do it. Let's have fun in the process. Who needs a plan? There are probably some skills, some techniques, some ideas that don't come natural to me that are going to help me maximize my gift and my talent. Yeah. So what does that mean? It means that, we all have the ability to adapt, learn something new, take something in that doesn't quite seem like natural, and yet it maximizes the ability that God gave me. And I think that's where we got to get realistic, right? That's where we've got to come in. And so for the people who say, hey, I do this or I do that or I do both, the ultimate question to me is, do I want to become the person God created me to be? And then when that's my driver, man, then I get then I get pretty excited and pretty serious at the same time. And there's nothing in the scripture that says, hey, when you achieve these certain things, <laughs> then I'll accept you. <laughs> you know what? That's pretty cool. Right. Because now we're not based on a result of some action. You know, I love that. with that, and you're just speaking of God. I mean, that is uh that is a filter that I ultimately strive to come to is at the bottom, bottom line, especially for questioning something that may feel risky or whatever. Will this goal help and bless other people? Will it, will it glorify God? If I can say yes to that, um, then I have faith in it that my, my fear goes down and my faith goes up. And, uh, I think it's a relevant, a relevant filter for us all to do. You know, here's a great way to uh, end this. Heather Lynn, I just, I'm looking at Facebook one more time. She just said, I love this and so needed this today. Hey, this is a podcast. We've got an audience here. I'm happy for everybody to share this like crazy so that lots of people hear it. It, it uh, blesses us. We know the message is getting out there. And this is a business actually. And I'm, I'm shameless in that as well. But at the end of the day, I often have that thought, Tom, as we're doing these shows and having these topics that, you know, if there's one person out there specifically who had an acute need and this filled it, it just uh, blesses my socks off. So uh, Heather, thank you. And everybody who posted and shared in the comments, uh, that's what makes this show so rich. Tom, always a gift to do this with you, brother. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of this, our Facebook family, our podcast family. And thank you, Kevin Miller, the greatest host in all the land. <laughs> Love you, brother.
Well, there you have it again, folks, 50-50 on going after your goals and desires with a plan or pulling the trigger and figuring it out. I hope what you heard helped grow your confidence in the way that works best for you, but further inspires you to regardless, be taking action on your desires. Well, coming up in episode 805, you are not the victim of your biology. How's that for a line? Uh, here's, here's a thought. How much do you care about the home you live in? Does it matter a little or a lot if it's clean and safe with nice amenities? Can you upgrade it? Well, of course. Well, likewise, every day we wake up to live inside our brain. Well, like your home, you have control over the quality and state of your brain, the ability, the capacity, much more than you have over your outside circumstances. But we don't tend to function from this perspective. We tend to live as if our brains are concrete and hardwired. We have what we have and we got what we got. Well, Dr. Caroline Leaf has made it her life's work to debunk and disprove this and show us how our brain can be our servant instead of the other way around. Dr. Leaf was one of the first in her field to study how the brain can change with directed mind input. Neuroplasticity is how it's commonly referred to. Well, Dr. Leaf, she's the best-selling author of Switch on Your Brain. It sold about, I think, over 350,000 copies now. Uh, the other book, Think, Learn, and Succeed, which we talk about some in the show. Uh, but the, her top-ranked health and wellness podcast is cleaning up the mental mess, and that is just really growing right now. It's a, such a popular topic. Well, in the show I did with her, we go through what led her into this field, how her faith overlaps with her vocational mission and key aspects of the control we actually have and can employ regarding our brain. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. Together.